this is Corky Sinks of Walls Divide Press based in Memphis, Tennessee, and you're listening to Paper Cuts. based in Memphis. She is the uh, co-founder or founder, co-founder, co-founder yes. of Walls Divide Press, and this is the publishing wing of her artistic endeavors that also include sculpture and textiles yes. and some printing as well. Yes. Excellent. Um, so, Corky, thanks for joining me here in my studio yes. across town to talk a little thanks bit about Thanks for Zoom's. having me. It's lovely. <laughs> so, just to get started, can you tell me a little bit about uh, Walls Divide Press, like mm-hmm. what, what is it, what's its focus, when did you get started with it? Sure, um, I started Walls Divide Press with my partner, um, actually kind of loosely, um, like the first time he came to um, Dallas to meet my parents, we were <laughs> driving around, uh, I was showing him like all the weird areas that I had gone to high school in, and there's this neighborhood that I used to babysit, and they live next door to Ross Perot, and oh. there, so it's like these mansion houses, which is like very different from where my parents were living at the time, and um, there's this huge, like, new construction, white stone, like, castle-style house, and it had a wall of, like, like a six-foot wall, stone wall, built around it that someone had spray painted walls divide on it yeah. in this like rich neighborhood. So we know it's one of the kids who lives in the neighborhood and we thought this was kind of like the funniest thing. And so we started a started off as like more of a blog spot about like just sort of adolescence and this like sad capitalist like teenage like figuring out who you are and um you know and then we ended up like changing in our own work and um we each make do write and do zines for our for our own art practices so it kind of the the blog grew into um something that a little publishing thing that we did for ourselves and um when we moved actually i think we i did one collaboration with an artist named uh, sarah jones who's in la and we showed that zine at an exhibition, um, at, at Western Exhibitions in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And when we ended up moving to Memphis, uh, I felt really motivated to keep having those kinds of conversations, collaborating with other artists to um, to produce work. Not only to like, because I love zines and I want to, you know, make them all the time, but also to stay in touch with these artists who are um, 
working things out and kind of like stay a part of a greater conversation that um, we had recently isolated ourselves from by moving to another city. Yeah. So it's been, we mostly, um, we invite artists to collaborate with us on a zine and people um, don't all have a lot of experience uh, with print. So, um, you know, sometimes we have an artist who does and, you know, they can, they understand layout and all of these things and they can like, um, you know, almost like have complete control or um, we do the layout and we kind of design it and print it and bind it. And um, regardless, we always print and bind um, everything in our house. Yeah. And uh, What kind of equipment do you have at home? We actually, we have two desktop printers uh -huh. and they, I have, Force these printers to print way more than they are supposed to print. Um, but I've also figured out how to like get the most out of these toners, kind of almost recycle toner. Yeah. Um, and I have like this whole storage system of uh, keeping the cartridges and getting more and more out of them. And it, mostly we do black laser, um, laser print for the pages. We sometimes screen print covers. Um, I do. I did get a color desktop laser printer but it is very slow so i am i really like the old reliable brother printer we have and i think it's brother is a good it company is. it is <laughs> yeah. i've uh, a lot of my students or people that are trying to do zines for the first time i always recommend their laser printers it's like the quick cheap reliable yeah. option yeah and there, i mean there's so many like non-brother cartridges that are compatible so you can really they're very versatile for a desktop printer yeah um and how are you buying everything is most everything folded and stapled or? yes most things are um staple bound and we have we can um you know do sewing machine like yeah. little stitch binding or uh we've used one of those heat bound um oh like a perfect binder yeah it's not a it's not really a perfect binder i can't remember what it's called um i did not like it yeah. <laughs> so maybe i won't mention the, the company's name um i have spiral binder like a little hand coil binder but um that's not very popular people don't really want to use it which oh. is fine i know what we have a cookbook on the way that one <laughs> one of our artists is going to do and we will get to use our our coil binder like for the first time. <laughs> that binding. Yes. Yeah. It'll be funny. It'll be that it's uh, the artist is Joel Parsons and it will be a deviled egg cookbook that will be kind of like this queer church cookbook of deviled eggs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, that sounds great. It'll be good. <laughs> so along the lines of like continuing dialogue or building up a series of collaborations here in Memphis, um, the artists that you've been working with are—are are you pulling people from the community here, or are you reaching out to some of your extended networks in other cities? Um, both. I would say mostly we are reaching out to people um, in other cities, but we are trying to work with a Memphis artist at least once a year. Yeah. So in town, we've worked with M Melissa Dunn, who is an uh, a painter in town, and she is awesome. And um, Joel Parsons is also based in Memphis. 
um, but we went to grad school together in Chicago, so we had our little oh, okay. connection before I moved here. Um, we also, we've reached out to artists. At, at first, we reached out mostly to artists that we have relationships with, because I feel like that's kind of how things work. Yeah. Um, but since we've built up, we've been more brave to ask artists that we don't know and whose work we like to collaborate with us, and it's worked out pretty well so far. Um, yeah, so we have a few... Uh, Abigail Lushan is an artist who's based in Virginia who we're working with this summer. Um, Where at in Virginia? Uh, she's at VCU. She oh, teaches okay. at VCU. Cool. And she was in Knoxville, Tennessee. So we learned about her through Locate Arts, yeah. which is a uh, Tennessee-based contemporary arts network. And they do a lot of programming. And it's pretty cool. It's been a nice resource for us have, being new to Tennessee to um, meet other artists and learn about other artists in the state. Yeah. So how like, uh, regular is your publishing schedule? Uh, it, that has be- had to become a lot more uh, flexible. At first, we had a schedule that we yeah. thought was going to be perfect, that we would release um, two to three zines every four months, like a seasonal release Mm -hmm. and we were thinking that we would do a subscription kind of thing um but you know working with artists we all have jobs and crazy schedules and uh people were not meeting the deadlines that I was making (laughs) so I just kind of let go and we we do it when we can so you know we have some artists that have agreed to do things um but then you know life happens they get new jobs they move to new cities and they just say like I can't do it yet um, but we'll, we're happy when they're ready. We will we'll pick it up again. Yeah. So um, we have a lot coming out this this year, um, and that is exciting. Um, but also, you know, like just from things backing up over the last couple years. And I kind of want to trace the steps to get you to Memphis, uh-huh. right? Because you uh, so you moved here rather recently. And you went to school in Chicago and yes. in California. Yes. You were not born in either was, place. No. <laughs> so <laughs> tell, tell us the story of, um, of these things. All right. Well, I, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and I went to college in Southern California at the Johnson Center for Integrative Studies, mm-hmm. which is a very, like, awesome, hippie integrative studies program. Students write their own majors. Uh, which is really good for me because I yeah. have a lot of interests and I am. Um, I wanted to combine them. So my, my thesis project actually was a zine publication. Um, well, it combined like essays that I had written in my film classes about zombie films yeah. and like my studio at practice and like graphic design kind of into this uh, publication that summarized all of my thesis projects um, and at the, in college and even in high school I was really I was already collecting zines from being you know parts of like music scenes you know like yeah. punk stuff and um, I was also at a very early age already very attracted to evangelical tracts and um, like new age publishing metaphysical publishing yeah so I 
I had already kind of started collecting these and these things were kind of starting to influence my work, even though I think I felt like it was something very separate, like a supplemental thing. Um, it was very much a part of my like community and how I uh, worked with other people. And then I moved to back to Dallas for a year, then to Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. um, where I was part of an artist-run gallery called OK Mountain. And we also made a lot of zines and small publications, lots of like collaborative drawings that came out in zine form. It was an artist-run gallery. We were paying for everything ourselves, and we were not maybe the most... Um, commercially savvy people. We had a lot of like super awesome, interesting shows. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't sell very much work, and maybe it was also because we were young and not really that all that professional. But we put on great shows, and um, we started a little shop, and we started selling. We could sell more zines to the greater community than yeah. sell like a work of art that costs thousands of dollars. So it just continued. And then... Um, so what years were you in Austin for? From 2006 to 2009. Okay. Maybe like a little bit of 2005. No, I think 2006, 2009. Um, and I met my partner in Austin, and he got into grad school, and I moved there with him, which was scary. Yeah. But then uh, I wanted to go to grad school too. So I got kind of jealous that he was in grad school. And so we, thankfully, I ended up getting in there too. So we both went to school there. And then we both got jobs there. And that was in Chicago? Yes. And he was, uh, he, went in, he was in photography and I was in fiber and material studies. Um, and he ended up getting a job in the photography department teaching. And I got all the jobs <laughs> that there were to have <laughs> fiber material studies and visual communications. Um, I was studio manager. I was research assistant. I was the administrative assistant. And we were there for way longer than we thought we would be. But I, I mean, the Chicago community is awesome. Yeah. Um, and I just couldn't do winter again, really. And we... We kind of wanted to be closer to um, some people down here, families and stuff. So we we moved to Memphis. So when did you move to Memphis? What year? In 2015. Okay. So I've been here almost three years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is longer than I it feels. And why did you come to Memphis? Uh, it's kind of like a, a whim, sort of. Yeah. Um, Jesse had some work with um, Fat Possum Records, which is based in Oxford, okay. Mississippi. And he grew up in Mississippi. And my friend Joel lived here. And I came to Joel's wedding. And I was like, Memphis is fine. Let's move there. <laughs> so that's what happened. We didn't have, we didn't really, I didn't have a job. I was working on some catalogs, uh, like freelance design stuff for um, the John Michael Kohler Art Center in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, yeah. or Kohler, Wisconsin, I guess. And uh, so just 
doing those things. And then I got offered a full-time graphic design position at a museum um, called Dixon Gallery and Gardens. So I, I do that now. And it's... That's great. I, I was a graphic designer before I went to grad school, and I did not think that I would want to be a graphic designer again, but I have to say it's been pretty awesome. And yeah. I think I've grown to love graphic design in that way that it's not just... I think, and maybe because of publishing and using it more, accepting it more as part of my studio art practice, yeah. that um, it's more fulfilling. And also working in a museum is really different than working for a company. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I worked for a dot-com before, so now I work in a museum, and I have this, like, I have some agency, and I, I get to do things that are related to my, uh, to art, and it, it's, it's more rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I want to take a step back to Chicago <laughs> for a second because I associate Chicago with a really vibrant, like small press zine and comic scene. Yes. Um, as well as with Harsh Winters, and I really <laughs> visit that city at the time that's not during a snowy month. <laughs> I believe I've only been there during winters. Um, but were you also publishing while you were in grad school? Um, only, only for myself. So yeah. I did some. I did a one of my first projects in grad school I started doing these like um sort of obsessive projects uh where one of these practices I call it sacred um reformed sacred geometry and I just draw triangles until I stop (laughs) and the first set I just had like a, a limited like a very small piece of paper I drew 76 forms and then I put them in a book, and I called it a book of hours because it was sort of, oh. you know, a reference to these, um, like, personal books of prayer. They were kind of like meditation, so they had this kind of like occult, occult religious, pseudo-religious reference, and then there were these, like, pretty stark, just black and white triangle drawings. Yeah. Um, and I ended up doing a couple other book of hours, and... In Chicago, I also started this project called the Demon Baby Project, which um, is a timeline and sort of conspiratorial history of um, of demon babies in the media, <laughs> and it kind of it started out of learning um, about this story at uh, that happened at the the Jane Addams Whole House, which is one of the first like settlement homes in the United States in Chicago. And Jane Addams was just this kind of like activist for um, for like helping immigrants uh, get you know get, get their lives um, more steady and also um, single women. So she had this Jane house. Uh, this house, it was called the Jane House for Single Women Who Were Working. Um, this is a time, this is 19, early 1900s. So this is industrialization. And, uh, women are starting to work. And I mean, women always worked. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, this is perceived work. They're getting paid for their work. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Um, and uh, it's kind of like, you know, there's women's suffrage. Um, these sorts of 
social movements happening and uh, all out of nowhere, though there is a place it came from, uh, this rumor starts that Jane Addams is housing this, like hiding this demon child in the whole house. And um, thousands of people are very concerned and angry about this devil baby. And yeah. they go um, to the house, like crowds and crowds from people coming out of, like from other states, demanding to see this child, um, you know, kind of like an angry mob with pitchforks sort yeah. of thing. And um, it's very confusing. It's very like, it's disruptive. And Jean Adams wrote an essay for The Atlantic um, where she kind of is like trying to understand where this story originated. And there are, um, it's actually kind of comes from multiple places in the city and different like immigrant communities that um, were previously, you know, very religious, had these very sort of like traditional um, uh, ways that their families were raised. And then suddenly they're in this new country and like things are being changed and yeah. that you know the, for a religious person obviously like the devil is bad so let's regenerate this new devil child and there's the the catholic um version of the story is that uh this catholic woman marries an atheist man and this atheist man um tears a an image of the Virgin Mary off the wall. And he said, I'd rather have a devil in my house than this picture of the Virgin Mary. And then he his wife <laughs> gives birth to a demon child. Um, and there's this other, the, the, the Jewish version of the story, which is that this um, family, uh, this man and wife have like seven daughters and uh, his wife's pregnant again. And the, the father says, I would, if this is, I would rather have a devil in my house than another daughter. <laughs> so he also has a devil child. And Jeez. I know, <laughs> they're terrifying. <laughs> it's like not great ideas. <laughs> um, and the devil baby is kind of crazy. You know, like looking back, it's very cartoony. Yeah. Like it's like strange Victorian idea of fears that the baby is like immediately speaking and cursing or like smoking a cigar one steals a car like these stories are are that's like very eccentric yeah like really really <laughs> bizarre um but people were really really concerned like legitimately afraid um and i thought that was kind of like this this folklore was kind of interesting also in that like it was very similar to the story of rosemary's baby um which is also this kind of like immigrant story and I just sort of started researching everything surrounding those those stories and it became yeah. this very conspiratorial um timeline about um women's women's rights um immigrant uh, immigrants rights like or fear of immigrants and um laws being passed about immigrants and also um, more like media entertainment related, um, like Anton LaVey is from Chicago and, um, you know, these kind of like satanic imagery stories that become part of, 
like our understanding that leads to satanic panic in the 80s. Yeah. So this is the long kind of really big project that at first was sort of an installation. Um, and then No Coast um, approached me about uh, printing something with them. Oh, and cool. I ended up making Demon Baby Project into a book. Awesome. So it's like a mass paperback size, like yeah. small book. Uh, it's about 200 pages of wow. weird facts. Yeah. Um, in only timeline form. That's amazing. Well, it, I mean, it, it's in paragraph structure, but it's timeline. But yeah. Date, yeah. what it is. Yeah. Whoa. So in grad school, like you, you spoke before about being like having an interest in esoteric information and, and new age traditions. Mm -hmm. In grad school, is that where you started to bring that more into the studio practice or was that starting to manifest itself in, in the work earlier? I think it was in the it was in the work earlier, but I think I accepted it a lot, a lot more in grad school. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that I, I don't know if like maybe intellectually I felt more prepared to talk about things. You know, now people be like, oh, woo -woo, like hippie over here. Yeah, yeah, like talking about weird <laughs> cult stuff again. <laughs> and uh, in in my undergrad, actually, my this integrative studies program there was only one required class and it was your freshman seminar and happened to be that my freshman seminar was on tarot cards and it oh, was wow. yeah this was called the cards create your own oracle and uh yeah, it was awesome i know i know it was awesome it was <laughs> so good <laughs> i i'm very lucky i feel like yes and is that so another part of your practice and things that are on your business card is yes. also <laughs> reading tarot cards. Yes. Um, did that start in undergrad or like what was and the I, first time you were like, oh, this is something I'm actually interested in? I I had a, a I mean, it was kind of required in my seminar as an yeah. undergrad, so it, part of it almost seemed like not as exciting. It was something I did and I, something I would do for people. I also like you know, to make a little extra money, I would, I would either read a card or like cut someone's hair. Yeah. So that was kind of like, a, but it was kind of like a, for fun and also for like a little, a little bit of cash here and there. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't think I ever really took it all that seriously, um, until more recently. I went to a residency, um, called the Golden Dome School and it is, run by an artist named Eliza Swan. She's in LA. And it was like kind of like an intensive art slash tarot seminar that happened that in cool. um, 29 Palms in the desert. That's and an amazing idea. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Which is also one, that's one of my favorite places to go. Um, so this was, I think it was, I think it was in, 2017, the beginning of 2017. Yeah. But going to this workshop and doing this with all these other people who are like kind of into the same weird stuff and yeah. it, I don't know, and it just felt really good. Um, so, and I felt a lot more confident about it. And I also, um, I started doing them via email, which is actually really great for me because yeah. I can work around my schedule. And, uh, 
I don't know. It they they still it gives it kind of like a meditative quality for me because I'm I'm a little bit like introverted and obsessive and I like to like look at all the information and make sure like um I'm remembering things correctly. So yeah, it gives yeah. me like a little bit of time and I have like notes that I use like I reference and stuff. So even though I can still intuitively respond to cards, I kind of like being able to like access these things and have um be like more thoughtful. And um so I started doing readings to sort of support Balls Divide Press. So I can yeah. buy some uh, new paper sometimes, you know, or get a new uh, silk screen or, um, you know, a new, a new little batch of toner. Yeah. So it it's pretty good. And I think it's been, I, I have accepted it also as being part of my studio practice, which everything is related now, like. I don't know why I had to compartmentalize things before, but now it feels good to do everything I want to do all at once. Yeah, was, when you're talking about grad school and kind of feeling like that was a time when you could accept um, bringing in certain bits of your interests into the practice, I mm -hmm. think that's one of the benefits that I found in grad school as well, is being able to open the doors to things that you would try to keep fairly separate, yeah. you know, and let that fold itself into the practice in new and interesting ways where you didn't have to, or at least personally, I didn't feel like I had needed to be defensive about it. Right. Um, so it's nice to hear that. that <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but on the edges of your, your larger practice, where where does publishing situate itself for you within your studio practice? Because, you know, it seems like you have a very collaborative mm -hmm. uh, process with publishing. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm curious as to whether you're also collaborating outside of publishing when you're creating objects or involved in other endeavors. And I'm also curious as to how the publishing practice might um, reflect back towards some of the things you're doing outside of publishing in your studio, mm -hmm. or if there's any sort of yeah. back and forth between the two. Uh, definitely. And I, I definitely uh, enjoy collaborating in lots of art. Um, lots of parts of art i i my undergrad also was partially filmmaking so and and i worked my job was in the theater and i was a wardrobe master so i think that style of of like a a team kind of building upon each other's talents like yeah. i i think sometimes that's very divided into like you know a design or like a like a tech thing and not maybe as much in studio arts, but it totally <laughs> works. And yeah. I think, um, well, OK Mountain was a very collaborative um, group that uh, I think I, I'm no longer part of it, but they continue to work together. And um, I work, I've collaborated with my partner on different projects, also on um, zines, like individually. He, He's not much of a, a designer or print person, but he writes poems and I'll like lay them out and print them. And, yeah. you know, he's, he's learned a lot about like folding things, how I want <laughs> them to. <laughs> um, well, I feel yeah. I'm laughing as well because I, I understand that folding is a very particular <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, 
so yeah, I, this doing the um, collaborative piece with Sarah. I also um, one of my good friends and this artist who runs a space, a gallery in Atlanta called Canaeus. Um, we collaborated on a project that was at Roots and Culture. Gosh, I can't even remember what year. It, it, I think it was 2014. Um, but we collaborated on a project uh, that was kind of about spiritualism and um, spirit photography and mediumship and um, weird, you know, women stuff. So it was a it was a really fun show to work with her. Definitely one of my favorite exhibitions that I think I've um, done. Yeah. And um, and we had some printed takeaways there, but uh, yeah, we also met at a residency in at Oxbow. But we were actually in grad school together. We didn't know each other until we went to Oxbow. Okay. Um, so we thankfully met each other mid school and got to uh, become close the last year of school. Um, so, yeah, collaboration is like a big part of my work. I think it also makes me, it, it's somehow kind of like fulfilling in a way that working in my own studio by myself sometimes isn't. I think yeah. I, I need to seek out being like working with other people and I think I I if I don't have to or if I don't have a project that requires that I do that I just wouldn't do it <laughs> I just watch Netflix or something. Yeah. so I it's it's kind of like it gives me collaborating with other people gives me the energy to kind of like sustain working in my own studio too um and I think having having enough variety in the projects I'm working on also kind of helps things continue to go. Um, also, like the zines. So we started an artist in residency program at our house. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so we um, made, we've had one artist in residence, uh, Angel Warren Garcia, who is in Miami, who is also an artist I met at the Golden Dome School residency. And she... Uh, she did a zine with us and then we invited her here. She's a tattoo artist. She did some tattoos in our house okay. and we did like an open studio, like kind of like a zine, a mini zine fair kind of thing. We invited some other um, makers in the city, like Alex Paulus made some weird t-shirts and uh, Erica Qualley, who organized the zine fest here at Crosstown, um, came with some stuff um, and a ceramicist. So we kind of like tried to bring more people together um, to like do zines. But we also did some like tarot readings. We did like a, a my friend Jeff Rent led a like a guided meditation. Uh -huh. And um, we also did a performance and which is also kind of a collaboration. This uh, it's called Crying Club. And it's something that Joel Parsons founded and that I've kind of like we've kind of started working together to continue this tradition um that is a like a kind of a, a a queer um meetup performance-based social event um where we all come together and do a weird performance or just have drinks or talk or um 
you know, it's kind of like a, a ritualized um, social event. And, but Angel did a performance that was really awesome. And we showed some videos from another artist who's also in LA named Edgar Fabian Frias, who's also done a zine with us. So these things, I think it's nice to start. The zines are a good place to start, like build onto other things. Like yeah. if we hadn't, well, if I hadn't met Angel at this residency uh, and been attracted to her work and wanted to do this zine with her, we wouldn't have had all these email conversations where it's like, well, why don't we like go further? Like, why don't we do more? Yeah. Um, and so now we have this idea in place that we could host this residency in our house and it will work, um, especially <laughs> if people don't mind being in our house. <laughs> like um, so it's cool. And I, 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 all of these like sort of short residencies have been really important to me um, since I work full time. Like I can't really take, I don't work in academia anymore, so I can't take like months off at a time. Yeah. Um, so these short residencies, they're just sort of like these concentrated shots. I feel like of, of, super like art time um like i've done another zine with another person katie um grace mcgowan who i met at a residency we did a zine together based on this weird <laughs> korean yoga cult that we were <laughs> coincidentally both related to um at just points in our life and then uh so we did the zine together and then she ended up doing this performance in uh, Detroit, and I went out there and we uh, set up a no-pro nail salon, and we just did people's nails in Hamtramck for like a yeah. whole weekend. And they, I don't know, I think those kinds of like, I think the zines and the like, sort of like happening kind of things are somehow kind of related to, but there are these um, types, forms of art that maybe are like closer to something that's it's not like low art but something that's consumable to a, a wide audience that they don't have to know you know they don't have to go into a white cube space and feel like over or you know or feel like they don't belong yeah and not to say that the things we do make everyone feel like they belong but they are kind of like these in-between spaces that sort of foster community and foster this kind of sharing and uh, exchange that I don't think happens in the um, like high art market and um, yeah and I think that the zines like being exposed to zines through like musical performance there's this kind of community aspect to zines that I think can has grown into other oh, yeah. uh, forms in in my studio practice and uh, the work we do with the walls divide and um, and we wanted, you know, we, we, we used to run, like, gallery spaces, like, white walls, curate shows, have fun events, like, show, like do big musical performances, and then, which is awesome, but now we don't have the space. Um, yeah. But you can keep doing it, like, in paper, and these little intimate things, you know, or just do it wherever. <laughs> um, so, I feel like I kind of rambled off, but. That is all collaboration related and and still zine related. Yeah, and with um, so with Walls Divide Press, I'm also curious about distribution. Mm -hmm. um, so there's like 
you know, the local impact you can have here in, in Memphis. So I'm mm -hmm. curious as to where you sell the zines mm -hmm. um, and where you're like, how you're able to get them out. And then how do they move outside of the city? Oh, yeah. Well, we have a, we have a web like storefront that does not get very much traffic. Um, but we do go to book fairs and zine fairs. Um, since we have artists in other cities, we'll sometimes just pay the table and have the artists sit um, the, the fest for us. Yeah. And so, you know, I always think that at these things, it's really exciting to meet the makers. So, and we give those people opportunities to, um, to get that Ex the excitement of selling the work at a zine fair because yeah. it's it's pretty awesome and I wish I had time to do all of them myself but um, it's it's great to be able to have the artists uh, share that too um, so we do that we have uh, like a couple of our books at Print and Matter um, we're gonna stock zines at Kamea's this gallery in Atlanta um, that's run by Jamie Steele and um, there's also a print shop in Chattanooga that I'm not remembering the name of right now. Yeah. Um, but Aggie Toppins, who uh, is chair of the art department at UT Chattanooga, um, is curating a like little shop there. So we're going to have some oh, books cool. in that show too. Um, yeah, also, I mean, we also have these events at our house. I know that's like really the city only, but somehow like people bring their friends when their friends are visiting. There's yeah. always people visiting Memphis. Always. <laughs> um, and then I always learn that they know people that I know who are in New York that I knew in Austin. It's just weird it's small a really world. Small yeah. <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're we're interested in showing another the shops too. We we do our editions in such small runs initially because we have these like dying printers <laughs> that we have to like give it time so we'll we'll print you know like uh 30 to 50 zines like one month and then you know a few months later we'll print 30 to 50 more yeah. um you know if we're screen printing we'll print all of them at once but um but yeah that we we that's how we kind of get them out a lot of times the also when the artist zines come out and they'll share it on social media that's really helpful because then people want to support the artists they know and yeah. then they learn about us and then we learn about other things and you know you end up making connections um yeah through this like little network of of, of artists yeah yeah what's the next uh like zine fair that you're going to be going to uh, hopefully the chicago art book fair um which yeah. this time wants to be able to hang out instead of yeah. talking to <laughs> each other. Like three tables away, not ever. No, we were right there. Um, it was so fun last year. I, um, I the first one was year. really, really great. And I'm just, the organizers are really awesome. So no coast, the yeah. A and Alex, they put up my Demon Baby Project book. Okay. So, yes. Yeah, I had such a great time in Chicago last year. Like the, all the functions they had associated with it were really great. Yeah. Yeah, really fun. Yeah. And the, the little Rizograph conference, too. Yeah, that's really great. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I also, like, I feel like um, I'm curating more, like, actual exhibitions, too. I'm yeah. actually going to curate an exhibition 
at the museum where I work. Oh, um, cool. I know, <laughs> the graphic designer curating exhibitions. <laughs> Why not? It's fun. Um, so we're having an exhibition of um, the People's uh, Print Workshop the, that was based in Mexico in like the 1930s, like in the oh, 20th okay. century. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think I'm going to pronounce it properly in Spanish. It's like Tajer de Gráfica Popular. Oh, that's bad, I know. Uh, so shortened to TGP. So we'll have this this main exhibition um, that's a touring show. And there's also going to be a, a print show of etchings from our permanent collection. Oh, and cool. we have this uh, little gallery space that usually shows a local or regional artist. And um, they asked me to do a print show um, because we're having these big print shows there. And so it's going to have um, some large sort of experimental wall works, um, but also a zine library so people can look at zines. And a lot of them are people I met at the Chicago Art Book Fair. Um, yeah. We've got some here at the Memphis Zine Fair too. Excellent. So we'll have some, some local zine makers in the show. And um, yeah, I think it's going to be really cool. Um, and it's a very sort of like a weird, it's almost like a hallway, like a transitional space. Which I think an interactive show where people can handle stuff is going to be really appropriate. People are going to, I hope people are going to get into it. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. Um, and where do people see more of your work? Like where, is there perhaps a website? Yes, I do have a website. Yeah. It's quirkysinks.com. And quirky is C-O-R-K-E-Y. Sinks, S-I-N-K-S. And if someone does want to get an email care uh, reading from you, how can they do that? Oh, yes, uh, they could actually go to Walls Divide, which is wallsdivide.com, and uh, there's a product there for tarot reading. Okay. Yes. Cool. Well, Corky, thank you so much for hanging out in the studio and having us talking about Zoom.